this jungle gym jungle gym at your service welcome to the oh do i have to say it uh, uh, yes i guess i do i'm hicks sighted podcast uh, normally your host is mr david hicks and uh, but for all of season four i have voluntarily whether i i was told i was volunteering or not voluntarily been your host for this podcast now let's see where were we in that? Oh, yes, I remember. Uh, Mr. X so rudely interrupted me as I was trying to explain the different uh, positions of occupation that I have held in life. I have been, uh, of course, you know, a theologian, but we talked about extensively how I spent at least some time as a zookeeper. But I was also trying to explain that I've been an explorer. And... Of course, you, uh, the most pertinent question whenever, when anyone says they've been an explorer is, of course, well, where have you been? What have you explored? Well, I'm so glad I asked for you. Uh, I've been to many places, some of the more obscure places in the world, in fact. I've been to the Suwara Desert. It took me a long time to find that place. I've seen the Amazon Jungle Warehouse. Uh, interestingly enough, they get lots of orders from monkeys using Amazon Primate. I wasn't going to admit this, but I've been to Denial. I've seen Antarctica and Uncle Benguin. Ooh, and I, even in Italy, I went to this large grassy area where all, they had all sorts of wild animals. Elephants, giraffes, zebras, hippos. They called it the Seren Spaghetti. I've seen several cities of the world. One in the Holy Land, known for a famous female comedian called Bethlehem. And I went to a, a rather bizarre city where people didn't uh, seem to reason normally. It might explain why they were listening to, listening to a lot of uh, David Hicks YouTube videos. I'm not exactly sure, but they called it Kooks Among Us. And then finally, uh, one of the best cities I've ever been on the agricultural side of things, agricultural farming, is that what the, that's what that means. This was in Russia. They called it Moscow. And so, yes, I've been to several cities of the world. I've seen many landmarks. For example, I'm one of the very few people who've gone to see the awful tower. I was going to go see Mount Rushmore, but I was told that I needed less stress in my life, so I, instead I went to see Mount Rushless. And finally, I went to see the Great Wall of Fine China. Now, I can't recommend that you go see the Great Wall of Fine China anytime soon because a certain, well, uh, theologian slash zookeeper slash explorer who shall remain nameless, actually tried to climb the Great Wall of Fine China. And it didn't turn out so great. But at least one can now truthfully say that the Great Wall of Fine China is all it's cracked up to be. But no, I don't recommend you go see that anytime soon. But yes, I, I have also explored other places and, and that is part 
of what I do as, as Jungle Jim. Now, let's continue our Bible story, shall we? We were talking about, going back a few podcasts, Abraham, the, the man who had great faith and trust in the Lord, along with his wife Sarah, who trusted the Lord. He chose Abraham to bless and told him that his, he would have many descendants. You couldn't count the number of descendants that he was going to have. And so he was very old, but when he was 99 years old, no, 100 years old, Sarah, 90 years old, she gave birth to Isaac. And Isaac grew up. Abraham eventually got a wife for Isaac named Rebekah. Isaac and Rebekah had twins, Jacob and Esau. And, well, how should I describe it? They didn't get, you know, I usually use the cat and dog analogy. This was more like a, I don't know, a, a, a tiger and a, a wolf. A little more extreme on the cat and dog uh, scale, shall we say. They didn't get, they weren't alike at all. They didn't get along at all from everything we can tell. And then two times in Esau's life, Jacob was able to snatch in a manner of speaking, uh, the benefits, the blessings that Esau would get because Esau had been the firstborn. One time when Esau felt like he was starving, Jacob gave him some stew on the condition that Esau swore to him that he would sell Jacob his birthright, give him all the extra goody goodies for being the firstborn. And so instead of just loving his brother, as God commands us to do, and giving him some stew, Esau bought the stew with his birthright, which again, he was called Edom, because this meaning red, because the stew was red, and as I mentioned before, Edom, for selling his birthright for some stew. And then later, when Isaac wanted to bless Esau, he sent Esau to find some wild game. No, no, not like go out and find ice hockey or anything like that. No, no, he sent him out to hunt, find some wild animals, kill them, cook them, bring some stew to Isaac that he loved so much, and then Isaac would bless his son. Well, Rebecca heard it because she loved Jacob much more than Esau. She figured out a way, Isaac being blind at the time, to trick Isaac into blessing Jacob instead of Esau. And so after all that happened, Esau was so angry, he was ready to kill his brother. And so Isaac and Rebekah send Jacob on his way to save his life. But they also give him this instruction. This is um, Genesis chapter 28. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Now see, this is the second time we've heard this recently. The land in which Abraham had lived for much of his life and Isaac lived, there weren't godly women around. There weren't worshippers of the Most High, followers of the Most High. They worshipped other gods and did detestable things. 
Esau, in fact, had already married two Canaanite women and they were driving Rebekah and Isaac crazy. And so it's very important when you're choosing someone that you're going to be with the rest of your life, that they be someone of godly character. All right. So Isaac tells Jacob, don't get a wife for the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Badalaram to the house of Bethul, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from the daughters, from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. Now, I will say here something to, to realize. God makes promises, and some of his promises are, are not, uh, they take not just a month to fulfill or a year. Sometimes they take years before they come to pass, and they're true. And sometimes, in this case, his promise is something that transcends generations. It's passed down from one to another, and it takes hundreds of years before those promises actually come to fulfillment. But God always keeps his promises. So Isaac and Rebekah, they send Jacob away, and he starts out on this long journey. It's a very tedious one. He gets tired, and so he, he rests on a, on, a, on a rock, using a rock for a pillow. He found it must have been a hard-headed fellow, much like, uh, well, much like dear old Jungle Jim, so saith my wife. But he has a dream, and in a dream he sees a ladder going from earth all the way up to heaven, and uh, angels going up and down the ladder. Now, okay, now this is why Jungle Jim has a certain theory here that the Hebrew word, the language in which the Old Testament was written, that means ladder, actually also means escalator once they become invented. Because God already knows how to build escalators, even back in this day. And so what I see is angels, oh, you know, they're fun-loving angels, yeah, coming down the, the down escalator, but then running up the down escalator like the children in the mall. <laughs> you know, having that kind of fun. So that, but that's a, you know, that's one of the more obscure jungle gym theories. You'll have to decide for yourself as the truth of the matter. But yes, he sees the angels going up and down, but at the top, he sees the Lord. And the Lord says to him, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. The, the land on which he was lying down and sleeping, not he wasn't not telling the truth, of course. All right, let's go. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Once again, a promise of the coming of Jesus, the descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, who would bless all 
for salvation, all forgiveness of wrongdoings, those of us who put their trust in him and decide to follow Jesus, for us there is forgiveness and an eternal life that is coming and an avoidance of the punishment for our wrongs if we will choose to trust Jesus and the work that he did on our behalf in taking our punishment. All right, let's keep going. The Lord says, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. So, Jacob wakes up. He's received these promises from the Lord. He is he's re-energized. He's, he makes uh, some, some promises to the Lord. We won't get into all that right now. Sets up the rock that he used as a pillow, as a pillar. Simply because you only have to change two letters just to do that. But no, what he, well, okay. I'll explain this much, all right? He took the rock that was a pillow, made it a pillar, poured oil on it. And, and now you say, well, what in the world? Is he about to cook the rock? Was he that hungry? No, no, no. Uh, what he was doing was setting this rock aside as being something for the Lord holy, symbolic of the Lord, a reminder of the vision, the dream that he had had. And, and so you see this in the Bible often when people are set aside uh, or, or things are set aside for the Lord, they're anointed with oil. And the jungle gym theory behind that is, you know, when, if you're set aside, set apart for the Lord, you're holy, you're clean, you're, you're, your purpose is found in that which is good and right. You're holy. And so oily sounds a whole lot like holy. And so to symbolize that, they pour oil on something because that was the only way for them to really see and have a tangible way of having holiness if you have oiliness. Okay, so that, that's just a jungle gym theory. Again, take it for what it's worth. That one probably 57 cents. All right, so Jacob continues. Oh, and now we get to the most, oh, I'm so excited, romantic story in all the Bible. Now, I will say romance is, is somewhat of a curious word for women. Most women, it, it's, it's powerful. You say romance, and the back straightens, the eyes widen, the mouth breaks out into a smile, and they start to envision and dream of the man who will do nothing, stopping nothing, to save the life, to win the hand of the woman he loves. Meanwhile, for most men, when you say the word romance, it's kind of like someone dropped a nagmi anvil on their head. The back stoops, the shoulders drop, the mouth frowns. Reason being is because we know what's about to happen. 
we know we're about to get compared with the hero of the romantic story. And he's off, you know, fighting dragons one-handed while suffering with pneumonia. You know, meanwhile, we can't even find a, a, a good mouse to put down a mousetrap to save our wives from that. And so we know we're just not going to be able to measure up to the hero in the story, and so we don't look forward to the uh, results thereof. But yes, this is the most romantic story in all the Bible. What happens is Jacob finally arrives at Laban's village. The, the, uh, remember Laban, the brother of Rebekah. And he goes up to some shepherds and he says, Do you know Laban? And they said, Oh, yes, we do. How is he? Oh, he's doing fine. Oh, in fact, here comes his daughter Rachel with the sheep. And so Jacob looks up and... Voila, as they don't say in English. There was Rachel, beautiful, young Rachel, leading her father's sheep to the well. And Jacob fell in love instantly. From everything we can tell, he runs up to her, kisses her, explains who he is. And meanwhile, after she slaps him, she runs back to her family, tells them what's going on. Laban comes out, invites Jacob his nephew into his home, and there Jacob stays. A month later, Jacob had been doing some work for Laban, and Laban says, well, I know you're my relative, but you shouldn't work for me for free. What are your wages? And Jacob says, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. <gasps> I hear you women say, you mean he worked for her father for seven years just to be her husband? Yes. Yes, he did. Oh, I can't wait to ask. Don't ask him. Please. I, I value my life here. You go up and ask your husband, would you work for my father for seven years just to be my husband? I'm afraid that the answer won't turn out the way you're thinking. In fact, I think that your husband is thinking that he wants to end the life of a certain comedian. So no, I don't advise asking that question right now. But yes, he agreed to work seven years for Rachel. And Laban says, well, it's better that I give her to you than some other man. Stay with me. And then in the most romantic statement in all the Bible, it says, and Jacob worked seven years for Rachel, and they seemed but a few days to him because of the love he had for her. <gasps> oh, that was so beautiful, so lovely, so wonderful. Yes, it was. But unfortunately, this is the point at which the most romantic story in the Bible becomes the most bizarre. Because Jacob works seven years for Rachel and finally goes to Laban and says, Okay, time for the wedding. And Jacob, I mean, Laban throws a big party for Jacob and then that evening comes 
Laban, you know, brings Jacob's wife to him. They have their honeymoon night. And then in the morning, Jacob realizes he had married the wrong woman. He had married Leah, Rachel's older sister. And you wonder, well, how in the world could that happen? Well, there's some theories here. Now, children, this is a hard one to explain, but there's adults, they do this thing called drinking, which you do as well. It's just sometimes adults put this thing called alcohol in their drinks, and it does funny things to the brain. So it's something to run away from in one's youth. And then, you know, eventually when you get an adult and you know, adults don't run away from it so much. And so maybe Jacob had, you know, a glass or two or maybe three or four barrels too much to drink. And he just didn't know what he was doing at the time. But I do highly advise, no matter what, young men, if you're going to marry a woman, do so in the daytime. In fact, if it's cloudy overhead, you might want to call it off for a few days. Just so you can see clearly who it is you're marrying. If she shows up at the wedding with one of those kidnapper sacks over her head, no, 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 no. You, you've got to call it right there. I, I've got to see what's under the sack. You, you've got to put your foot down. Boom. So yes, he married the wrong woman. Now Jacob goes into Laban and says, Now what is this you've done to me? I told you I'd work seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban says, Oh, well, you know, Leah's the older and Rachel's the younger. It wouldn't be good for us to marry off the younger before the older. That would be bad. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do for you. You spend a week with Leah, then you can marry Rachel, and oh, you can work for me another seven years. Oh, yes, quite the bargain, Mr. Laban. Buy one, get one for exactly the same price. So Laban had acted deceptively toward Jacob. Now, this was a little bit of Jacob getting a dose of his own medicine. He had deceived his brother and his father in taking the blessing away from Esau. And so now he had been deceived into marrying the wrong woman. Sometimes our own sins return on our own head. And that's just one more reason not to do evil to others because it can be like a boomerang and come right back at us. So yes, Jacob was deceived and, and so he agreed to it. <gasps> you mean he worked for? years for her father just to be her husband? Yes, yes, that's what he did. Oh, I can't wait to ask. Don't ask him, please. I want to stay alive. Don't ask him, please. But yes, I know you want to. I get it. But in all in all, he worked 14 years for the privilege 
of being the husband of Rachel. Now, this sets off what I call World War Wife. It makes the, the rivalry between Jacob and Esau look like two children doing thumb wrestling. But unfortunately, there's just not enough time to cover it. And so I'll have to do that in my next podcast or Mr. David Hicks's next podcast, for which I will do most of the speaking, if not all of it. But that, that's the way this one's rolling. Okay, may God bless you. May you know that he loves you. In fact, I'm trying to say this consistently at the end of my recordings. Please remember this, especially you children. The Father loves you deeply. Our bodies and spirits he made. The Son cares for you greatly. The price for our sins he paid. The Spirit values you completely. He guides us to what is right. Love them, trust them, obey them. It leads to eternal life. This has been Jungle Jim at your service.